listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. Welcome to episode uh, 58. We're getting up there. Wait, I was just thinking that we're getting, we getting on up there. Yeah, 58. That's a lot. I don't know we how would we be that. on um, AARP now, senior senior citizen discount. For sure, senior citizen discount. Oh my god, we got to go to Cracker Barrel. Okay, let's go right now. Okay, through this recording, through this episode, we're okay. we're gonna record from going. Cracker Barrel. Okay, <laughs> I got to change first. Okay. Okay. Actually, no, I'm probably fine. Amanda gets a show this this episode because right now I look crazy. Not so much crazy. Um, okay, you just made it worse. You kind of look like you got a pompadour. I am working on some no heat curls right now. And part of that is because my family does Thanksgiving early every year. So my mom wants to still do the Thanksgiving celebration. Because for my family, it's not necessarily about the day it's done on. But, you know, the time spent with family and stuff. So she does it early every year. So that we don't have a conflict of like having to choose whose house to go to or running around or anything like that and so today is my parents um their thanksgiving celebration and i had to clean my hair and i had to finish up my notes for today just make sure they were all organized so i just did this so i didn't have to dress about time and then this took me an eternity to do anyways I like it because I feel like I'm talking to Elvis. I've got Elvis the piggy bank. Like this is a very, it's a very rock and roll episode. Oh, there's something mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, so Amanda's going to get a show as every now and then I'm going to mess with my hair because it's absolutely insane. Um, I love it. Right there. Anyways. So that's that's what Amanda gets. But I also have a little story for you about my little shithead of a dog. Oh, I'm listening. So for uh, my in-laws, I will buy like little like dog toys, just packs of three that are like five dollars or something. And each each animal gets one toy. Mm -hmm. So I had to buy three of these packs because everyone in on his side of the family has a dog. Right. Well. Buy three packs. That's enough for Peanut, for all of his dogs. Maisie will even have one at the end for Christmas. I made the mistake of putting those in the office closet, but not closing the closet door all the way. No. So I go in, like, and it hadn't been long, so I just barely put them in there. Maisie has them out of their wrapping, all scattered around the floor, like all nine of them. Oh, Um, no. They're all fine. They're all like she picked them up, put them down where she wanted her placement so she could easily go chew on each of them. So they can still be gifted. I (laughs) caught her early on. But that little shit pisses me off that she's so stinking smart. She even tried to hide one of them from me. So I should see you put them in there. And she was like, you thought, mom, I'm going to be back for that. Yes. She followed me while I put them in there. What a heifer. Yes. She, listen, I accepted this a while ago, but she's smarter than I am, and I don't know how to handle that. Uh, well, thank you. Hopefully she doesn't um, eat a couch in a chair like my dog. At least she hasn't done that. 
No, she has not done that yet, but... What flavor is that? Uh, the wrong one, Glacier. No, that's right. Glacier Cherry. That's the best one. But Cody didn't get me the zero. Oh, see, I like the zero because the, the regular one is still good, but it's just too sweet for me. <laughs> yeah, I like the zero more, but he, see, Cody fucked up. Soulmates. As we drink our Gatorades together. Yeah, cheers. 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 Anyways, okay. Uh, that's my story. I thought you would enjoy that. My dog is a little shit. I have a story about a little shit. Okay, I'm ready. So my little shit just turned one. We had her birthday party yesterday. It was pretty fun. Uh, we forgot. So it was Bluey themed, the cartoon. And I bought her a little. It was in the boys section, which I don't care. No. But technically I bought her a boys outfit, whatever. It's just little, like a little uh, sweatpants and a hoodie. And it was Bluey. So she wore that. And I made sure to put a onesie under it. So when she got to play in her cake, um, she would have something to wear home because it was cold. We didn't take the onesie off. <clears throat> so I ended up wrapping her in my jacket. And then his grandma gave me a jacket to wear home because I mean, she's a grandma. You know, she can't let me walk out of the house without a jacket. But she had fun. It was very cute. It was a lot of fun. She ate a lot of that cake so is that why she's knocked out right now is her sugar rush is finally dying off i think so because she only napped once <laughs> yesterday and it was before the party oh okay and at the party she just had a butt ton of fruit and then when she did eat the cake she mainly just ate the icing and then afterwards when we ate the adults ate cake she saw us eating and wanted more cake yeah, and I don't know. Eat cake without her. Yeah, and I don't know how to say no, so I gave her little bites of icing-free cake. She slept a lot last night. It was nice. So what I'm hearing is you now know how to get her just to crash. Yeah, just give her a lot of cake. I get not even cake. Give her a lot of icing. Maybe don't do it all the time so she doesn't build a tolerance to it, but you know. Oh, that's a good point. Tolerance. I thought you were going to say cavities. Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't we're talking about her teeth. Yeah, we're talking about the important stuff, the tolerance. Yeah. Like, let her get cavities. Those teeth are falling out, anyways. I mean, eventually, yeah. So, and if they fall out now, I don't have to take her to the dentist. Saving money now. See, I got this. But Be you'll have mom. to buy her baby food. I've still got some in the cabinet until she gets her adult teeth. I have a food processor. Okay, that's fine too. Cool. We got this figured out. Okay, done. done Mom done. of the year, right here. Award being sent your way. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, so the party went well. <clears throat> Anything else? I think that's it. Now that we're back on a normal recording schedule, we don't really have updates. No. I just had my story of my shithead dog. But, anyways, we do have somewhere we want to shout out today, and I'm going to be there in a few weeks. And I'm Hold on to your excited. butts. It's Florida. So we've actually had Florida listeners for quite some time, but we haven't called you guys out because, well, we suck. But, um, 
We're calling you out now. I'm doing it now. You weren't forgotten. We just, we wanted to save you for a very important episode. Yeah. Uh, so. And and this is, this is, this it. is it. Yeah. Episode we, 58. Yeah. That's, that's where we are. No, we, we just, uh, we're looking at the map and I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't done Florida because we just suck. And Florida's been around, like, I would say since the beginning. Yeah, you guys were one of our early ones. So we see you. We know you're there. We just suck. And you're allowed yeah. to tell us that we, and that's fine. We just plan to ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> we're done taking you for granted. We know you're there. We see you. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Thank you for your patronage and your oranges. Thank you for having a dock for cruise ships so that I can go through Florida to get to the Caribbean. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I don't know what I would do without you guys. Suffer in the snow. Oh, well, I guess probably go through Texas or New Orleans. I mean, Florida's better anyways, right? Is that like a shots fired type statement? I mean, I think that's just a thing for the South. If you say anybody is better than the other one. They get angry. Okay. I'm just trying to inflate your ego today, Florida. So, did it work? All right. So, also, we want to shout out that we do have our Patreon where we have some specials getting ready to be recorded and uploaded there. So, we have a game night special that we'll be recording and getting that up. Um, That'll be a fun one. Right now, we're planning on doing the Untitled Goose Game. But that might change depending on our mood. So, just fair warning. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't know what happens. Um, so our Patreon is up and going. We also have our Discord. So if you guys want to connect with us, talk true crime, paranormal, anything like that, you guys can join us on Discord. You can find the link for Discord on Twitter, which is Hell on Heels Pod. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Linktree, all the other things, which is Hell on Heels Podcast. Um, go follow us there on instagram twitter whatever we do post our episode pictures on there as well and then other than that i think that's everything i think so is there anything else that we can procrastinate with because i'm not you're gonna hate me for this story oh god um i might have a title for that uh that goose game literally just came to me okay what's good for the goose is good for a gander I think we need to play before we can come up with titles for the Untitled Goose Game. Probably, but right now I, I did write that down. The Goose and the Gander got it. Yeah. We're just very excited to go run around and be geese. Yeah, so excited. So excited. You guys just don't understand. Anyways. Oh, God. Okay. What are we doing? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of something else. I don't know if there's any way I can keep procrastinating this. So are you ready to hear a story? Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. There it goes. Um, yeah. So Amanda's mic just cut out. So just to show further how much no one wants to hear this story, <laughs> um, even her mic is like mm, hard pass. <laughs> so have you ever heard of the uh, death of Candace Newmaker? no well that's what we're going to talk about today um little warning it's a little little girl um she's 10 year old 10 10, she is 10 years old when this all happens and so 
He's a baby. It's a baby. So oh. Candace, she's she's just so stinking cute. Um, Candace Tiara Elmore was born on November nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. She was born in Lincolnton, North Carolina. Her parents were Angela and Todd Elmore. Um, you can say they were maybe not the the best parents. Not that they didn't love their children. From what I could find, um, Angela did love her kids, but she just didn't have the best means to care for them. So she she just didn't, wasn't as stable. Um, she did love them, and she actually, before her kids were taken away, she tried to hide the kids from social services to prevent them from being taken. That was frowned upon by social services. But as a mom, I, I kind of get that, too. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, so Candace and her two younger siblings, Michael and Chelsea, were removed from the home for neglect. So they were taken by social services. They were separated. During the time that they're with social services, Angela did visit her kids. She celebrated holidays with them as often as she possibly could um, while her kids were in foster care. However, even at all of that, at the age of five, Candace's parents had lost their parental rights. They were terminated. Um, and so the kids were put up for adoption. Now, Angela did reportedly fight for quite some time to keep her parental rights, but that fight really wore her down and the feeling of helplessness and powerlessness really took over her and she stopped trying. Oh, God. So I can only imagine. Yeah. So soon after, either when Candace was six or seven, she is adopted by Jean Elizabeth Newmaker. Now, some of the articles I read made it seem like Candace had been with Jean since she was five, but others made it seem like it wasn't until she was six or seven. Um, so the, the majority of sources stated that she was in foster home or foster care um, when she was five. And she had been at least or been to at least five different foster homes before being adopted around the age of six, maybe close to seven. God. Yeah. That's so. Like, I know foster homes, you know, is unfortunately common for kids to bounce around when they're in the system, but that feels like a lot. Yeah, so not the easiest start of life. Now, Jean, Jean was a single woman. She was living in Durham, North Carolina. She was a successful pediatric nurse practitioner. Um, From what I could find, Jean came from a fairly wealthy family. Like, she was just doing pretty well for herself. And so she adopts. Candace, and they legally change her name to Candace Elizabeth Newmaker. Is it common, do you know, for them to let a single parent adopt a child? I think it depends on the means that they have, because um, a lot of it is based, like, income, time, you know. So I think it just mm -hmm. depends on the person, and I, from what I could find, Jean had proved that she would be a successful single mother. Like, she had the resources to be able to care for Candace. And she's a, you said a pediatric nurse? nurse practitioner. Okay. So she knows a thing or two. Right. Right. She's okay. doing pretty well in life. Now, Jean knew that the adoption wouldn't be easy, but she decides she's going to start trying to bond with her adoptive daughter, Candace, as soon as possible. However, Candace just was not forming an attachment to Jean. And it wasn't just towards Jean. Jean told everyone that Candace showed no signs that she was attaching to anything else either. Um, she was said to, Candace was said to have behavior and attitude problems at home. And Jean stated that Candace would play with matches in an attempt to light the house on fire. 
and kill their goldfish. Okay. Um, yes, troublesome, but also it doesn't really surprise me because, like, okay, yeah, she's not forming attachments, but she hasn't been able to. Right. So, yeah, yes, the, the fire and the goldfish, it's notable, but... But also, she's had a rough start in life already. So, yeah. how about yeah. we give her an inch or two here? Yeah. Well, the years following the adoption, Jean began taking Candace to multiple psychiatrists and therapists. And Candace would be diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, though at the time she did not actually meet the criteria for the diagnosis. That seems strange. She she didn't meet all of the criteria from what I could find, but I, I don't know. I don't know how therapy works. I don't know how diagnosing works, mm-hmm. um, unless it's like a solid medical diagnosis where you have a test. Like, I know there's criteria, and I don't know how they came to that conclusion. Whatever. Candace would be treated with different various medications. Even though she was medicated, Jean stated that Candace's behavior wasn't improving. It was actually still continuing to get worse. And Jean would soon learn of a therapist in Colorado where they specialized in rebirthing treatments. No. And this is a form of reattachment therapy. You know what story this is now, don't you? Uh, Yeah. So this is a form of attachment therapy. And typically treatment is used for the reactive attachment disorder. In April 2000, Jean and Candace traveled to Evergreen, Colorado for a two-week intensive session of attachment therapy. Jean had spent $7,000 on this therapy. They had been referred to this from a William Goble, who was a licensed psychologist in North Carolina. William, he was actually not able to take on another case from what I could find, and so he referred the family to this therapist in Colorado. Okay. There wasn't a closer one? Um, the attachment therapy from what I could find was pretty far and few between at the time. Now, I mean, it's different, but this was, uh, you said the late eighties, early nineties at this point. Well, I mean, this is 2000 at this point. Oh, okay. 2000 at this point. Okay. I guess I can see that. Yeah. It's yeah. He's good intentions. Anyways. So the therapist for this would be, uh, Connell Watkins. And Connell Watkins actually was not a licensed therapist. Okay. So this two-week therapy was run out of Connell's basement. And over the course of the two weeks, Candace would be subjected to intense therapy sessions that were meant for her to form an attachment or a bond with her adoptive mother, Jean. During much of this, it is possible that Candace had been without her adoptive mother. From some of the articles I read, it was actually separating adoptive mother Jean from Candace and doing the therapy that way. Others involved Candace. So it just depended on what the therapy was for that day. The first week supposedly went according to plan. It appeared that Candace had begun to show improvement and start forming at least a small attachment. In the second week of their stay on April 18th, 2000, Candace was put into what's called a rebirthing session. Watkins had firmly believed she was ready for her rebirth. And in this birthing session, they were, uh, or in this birthing session, there were the therapist, Connell Watkins, and a second therapist, Julie Ponder. 
Some articles said that Julie was not licensed, but others say that Julie was a licensed marriage and family therapist. Granted, she had been a newly licensed within the last 10 months therapist. Um, they also had Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel, who were her therapeutic foster parents. And then Jean Newmaker, so the five adults. What is a therapeutic foster parent? How I understand how they described it. So obviously they work with the therapist, Connell and Ponder. So Watkins and Ponder. And because there was time where they might be separated, the mother might be separated from the child. They had these foster parents available um, that were there just kind of like as a pseudo parent to help form some form of attachment. Okay. So this isn't like an actual i guess assigned foster parent this is something strictly having to do with connell and her therapy yes yeah that okay. it has to do with the therapy that they're receiving with uh watkins <clears throat> so they have the five adults the one child so six people total in this se- session candace is wrapped tightly in a flannel sheet and covered with pillows this was meant to simulate a womb or a birth canal and candace was supposed to wiggle out of the sheets and pillows the idea that she's wiggling out into Jean's arms, her loving parent or mother. So Candace is instructed to lay on a sheet in the fetal position. Uh, Watkins and Ponder tightly pulled the sheet around her and tied it at the top and bottom. And Candace was basically told to just fight her way out. Now, just to get a better understanding of what their goal was, I found this really phenomenal explanation on childreninTherapy.org. And I just took this excerpt and I'm going to read it to you because There's just no way I could reword it any better. So, and this is, again, this is directly from childreninTherapy.org. The rebirthing was an attempt to regress unattached Candace back to the time of her birth by reinflicting the physical distress of the birth process. Experiencing this trauma is supposed to recover repressed memories from the original horror of birth, the pain of contractions, the supposed suffocation passage the supposed suffocating passage through the birth canal and the struggle to be born by the end in confronting the trauma, a child is supposed to be reduced to an infantile state and accepting that she is helpless and hopeless without the mother. So when she exits the flannel womb, she is able to trust love and surrender authority to her mother, to her hopeful mother waiting nearby. Mother and daughter could then begin anew the process of attachment and reliving Candace's early childhood development. So that's the overall ideal behind it. Okay. Okay. I think they did a great job laying that out there. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know if I should say my comments now or hold them to the end. You can say them whenever you want. Okay. It feels like they did a very, very fancy sugar coat of, we're going to smother your child in front of you. Well, basically. So, Ponder states to Candace, imagine yourself as a teeny little baby inside your mother's womb and what it felt like. Warm. It felt tight because her stomach was all around you. Kind of trying to prep Candace for like the idea of what's going to happen, right? So, again, the idea behind this, it's going to, this rebirth would create a bond with Jean Newmaker. During this session, four out of the five adults used their hands and feet to push on Candace's head, chest, and body. Each had a large pillow 
and would press the pillows down on Candace, basically resisting her attempts to free herself. This is a 10-year-old little girl. She only weighed about 70 to 75 pounds and had four grown adults whose combined weight totaled to about 673 pounds. And that's just their weight. That's not like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm just having like, I'm having trouble following this thought process. I'm not a therapist. I am not a psychiatrist. To be fair, neither was she. So, um, <clears throat> but like, it sounds, sounds like it might make sense. But also like, birth isn't just the child fighting out of you. Like, you're doing things to help the yeah. child out whether it's like pushing down on contract and obviously i'm not a mother but i mean you push on contractions a and lot. there's an option for c-section and yeah and while the baby is coming out the doctor is not physically pushing it back inside you they're not i thought they were just shoving it back not my doctor but she had a degree so maybe that's the difference it's possible yeah. um I don't know for sure, though. Now, they're doing all of this, like 673 pounds for adults against this one little girl. And all the while, Watkins is like baiting Candace, like, come on, you got to get out. Like, and she's trying. Ponder would tell her, quote, come out head first. You have to push really hard with you, your feet. If you stay in there, you're going to die and your mommy's going to die. This isn't therapy. This isn't healthy. Listen, it didn't seem healthy to me. I wouldn't go. It doesn't sound like a relaxing vacation. I, again, I'm not a therapist. I don't. I don't know either. I have. I've been to therapists. Um, I have been to psychiatrists. I have been through. I have even been to a therapist that did not work for me. She wasn't even this bad. And some of the stuff she told me, like, no offense, I'm not going to say her name. I was like, mm, that seems like baloney. Uh, but th this is. Oh, again, Connell is also not a therapist. No. Ponder is. But she, Ponder is the one that's saying this shit anyways. Ponder's making me ponder for a, like, this is. Ponder makes me ponder why she's so stupid. Did she get her degree out of a Cracker Jack box? Yes. Ah. There it is. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, well, eight minutes into the session, Candace would state that she was unable to get out of this womb. And she would say, quote, who's sitting on me? I can't do it. I can't do it. Soon after, she would begin crying. At about 10 minutes, Candace would tell the others that she's unable to breathe, stating, quote, Whoever is pushing on my head, it's not helping. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't breathe. It's too dark under here. Please quit pushing on my head. I can't do it. Somebody's sitting on top of me. And her actual mom is here for this? Her adopted mother, yes. Oh, God. I'm sorry. That's what I meant by <coughs> actual. Um, it also makes me wonder, like, what did they tell her? to make her think that she was because obviously like we said she was a nurse practitioner a pediatric nurse practitioner so and she paid all of this money she obviously cared for her child she took her to multiple people she wanted the best for her i can't imagine having to sit there and watch this happen 
like, what did you tell this woman? She trusted you. They basically told her, like, this is common. Like, most kids say this type of stuff. And if they're truly dying, they're going to fight to get out. And they'll get out. Like, if they're truly that scared. Yes. So that's what basically what they said was, she's fine. They All of our patients say this. Like, this is very common. Like, they all say this type of thing. Don't worry about it. I feel so bad for this woman. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I still feel like if I had a child, even though I'm in this therapy and they're saying, I can't breathe, let me go, I can't do this. You know what? Maybe it's time we take a break and we re- revisit this later because she's not ready to handle this. Oh, you are so much more put together than I am. My immediate thought is I'm going to start kicking heads, like get off my child. Oh, no. I mean, obviously, I don't know if in that situation if I wouldn't be kicking people. But, like, right now, she's not ready for this. She's not prepared. Yeah. Like, let's please get her up. Let her out. If anything, but, don't you think that would help form a better attachment of having your child's back? And, cons- like, I guess. I agree with you. Yes. Um, But, I mean, I guess if you're desperate to help your child and these people are sitting here like, no, this happens all the time. Like, I, I would be. I think I would be torn. I, I think I still would be like, no, it's it's she's done. It's been two minutes of her crying and saying she can't do it. She needs a break. She's saying and you she can't breathe and it's time to let her get some oxygen. And then we'll talk and see if she's ready to try again. I just can't. I can't imagine uh, even putting a child through this anyways. Yeah, I can't imagine four adults sitting on a child wrapped in a blanket. Mm-hmm. The f- uh, I know this was a different time, but come on. I mean, Still, it's only 22 years ago. 22 and a half. I just meant like in the way of mental health. Different time. I still feel like 2000, we were making improvements, you know. Maybe in the medical field, but this woman wasn't in it. Or I guess I should say mental health field, but she wasn't in it. So she was in it, but maybe not appropriately. Now, during the remainder of the session, Candace would complain, she would plead, and scream for help and air. During the, ca- the session, Candace stated 11 different times that she was dying. At one point, Candace asked if they wanted her to die. And to this, Julie Ponder responded, go ahead, die right now, for real, for real. This is the licensed therapist. Yeah, I'm sitting here with my mouth wide open because I'm trying to think like, oh, I would. I don't know. I can't decide on one thing. Kick this woman. I feel like I would tackle her like an NFL linebacker. Like, how dare you tell a 10 year old to die? And you, you are the licensed therapist. I know damn well they didn't teach you that in school. I ain't been, but I know that's not like we teach children not to say that to other children. And you're an adult saying it to a child. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, 20 minutes into the session, Candace had vomited and excreted herself inside of the sheet. And she was kept restrained. 40 minutes into the session, Candace was asked if she even wanted to be reborn. To which she faintly responded, no. Just got goosebumps. Poor baby. Ponder, Watkins, and the... Uh, therapeutic foster parents would continue to talk, taunt her, saying, quitter, 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 quit, quit, quit. She's a quitter. Let me just tell you how much I hate Ponder. I hate her. 
I so hate all of these people except the, the the foster the adoptive mom like i'm still kind of on the fence <laughs> about that but these four adults i hope they burn in hell for the rest of their lives and then some at 50 minutes in candace is completely silent for an additional 20 minutes the therapist would taunt her by calling her a quitter uh, basically just trying to bait her out Jean Newmaker stated that she felt rejected by Candace's inability to be reborn. And she's actually asked to leave the room by Watkins. And they stated that it was so that Candace would pick, would not pick up on Jean's sorrow. Okay. Okay. The, the foster mom felt rejected? No, this is the adoptive mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, that's what I meant. The adoptive mom felt rejected. Because her child was unable to fight past four grown-ass idiotic adults. Yep. Yeah, I picked the side of the fence, and it's not the green side. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Um, I was really teetering. I was really hoping to hold out for her. But no, you go to hell with them. Jean leaves the room. She does go to a nearby room where she's able to monitor what's going on. And just just so you're aware, all of these sessions that Candace was put through were recorded. And hopefully used in court later. Well, uh, so Jean leaves. She's watching them through through the video. And I, I believe that Jean actually watched them for about 20 minutes, just haunting the shit out of Candace, calling her a quitter. Not long after Jean leaves, uh, Watkins tells Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel, the therapeutic foster parents, to also leave. Go ahead and take a break. Candace is left with just Ponder and Watkins in the room. Ponder and Watkins talk for about five minutes before turning their attention to Candace. They actually talked about their dream homes and also a million-dollar property nearby that was being remodeled during that five minutes. I am so glad that all of the murderers in this story took a nice little five-minute break while this little girl child wrapped up yeah i'm assuming already gone at this point well um ponder and watkins they unwrap candace and they find her lifeless motionless blue fingered and lipped body oh my and upon seeing this watkins states oh there she is she's sleeping in her vomit you are the stupidest person on earth well gene she she is a nurse practitioner. She sees us on the monitor in the other room and she immediately rushes back in. She's like, uh, she's not asleep, jackass. Um, she's pointing out like her, she, her lips are blue, like she's not moving, blah, blah, blah. Now, some sources say that Watkins and Ponder started CPR. Others say that Jean had. Um, but CPR attempts are made and 911 is called. Paramedics arrive and they're told that Candace had been left alone during a rebirthing session. And that she's now not breathing. Oh, okay. Paramedics are able to restore her pulse. And Candace is taken to a nearby hospital via helicopter. And they actually believe that Candace had been unconscious and possibly without oxygen or breathing for quite some time. Doctors did everything they could. But on April 19th, 2000, Candace was declared brain dead the very next day after all of the events. And the cause would be from asphyxia. Candace's final word had been when she responded, no, she had not wanted to be rebirthed. 
After more investigation, it was found that Candace had torn a 31-inch tear in the sheet with her feet. She did not have shoes on. She just had socks on. This little girl was so scared and fighting for her life, she tore a huge-ass hole in the sheet. Which is exactly what they told her to do. They should have... So, like, okay, all of this was horrible enough for her. But not only that... She did what they told her to do, and they still did not. They're still sitting there being like, I can't even get my words together. I'm sorry. She did what you told her to do, and you still wouldn't let her go, and you're taunting her about not being able to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. She, this, this little girl, they failed her. Everyone and every adult failed her in this one. At Agreed. least the five that were part of that therapy. Quote, unquote. Now, the sessions that Candace, or the session that had taken Candace's life had been recorded, along with 10 hours from other sessions as well. I did read some of the transcript from the Fatal video, and just reading it was really difficult. I, I can't even imagine what this little girl went through. Like, no wonder people are claustrophobic. Uh, it's, No. The last 20 minutes of the fatal video, they believe that she had is when she had asphyxiated um, as there was no sound or responses from Candace after that point. In total, Candace could be heard begging for help at least 34 times. The other 10 hours from the session were described um, from other sessions. I'm sorry. The other 10 hours from other sessions were described as cruel, degrading, and disgusting. In one other recording, um, or in one other recorded session, there was Two hours long where Candace was shown having her face grabbed for enforced eye contact 90 separate times, her head violently shaken 309 times, she was screamed at from inches away from her face 68 times, she was seen being held on Watkins' lap and Jack McDaniels sitting on top of her legs. In another session, Jean, who was obese, her adoptive mother, would lay on top of Candace for an hour and 42 minutes, during which time she licked her face 21 times. I'm going to vomit. In another, Candace had her long hair chopped off, and she was very prideful and loved her long hair, so she had this awful new haircut as well. What is this supposed to do? Help her form an attachment. By torturing her? I told you, I'm not the therapist. I don't see one. The one we do see is incompetent, yes. I feel like incompetent is too nice for her. And also, fuck that nurse. What school did you graduate from? I'm, I'm mad at myself for being on her side in the, in the beginning. 2001, all of the videos were shown at the trial. All 10 hours. The fatal session was viewed at least twice by jury members. The tapes have since been sealed by the judge for privacy reasons. During trial, two psychologists and a psychotherapist testified on behalf of the prosecution. They all stated that none of the procedures performed on Candace had been proven to be effective. They also stated that altogether the treatment appeared to violate professional codes of, con- uh, codes of ethics. One of these psychologist or psychotherapist even stated that the treatment of Candace violated the Nuremberg Code on Permissible Medical Experimentation. Now, this Nuremberg Code on Permissible Medical Experimentation 
is basically the standard used at trial on Nazi doctors after World War II. I was going to say, that was for war crimes. Yep. It basically outlines what's permissible for human experimentation and what's not. And I outlined it for you. Are you ready to hear the 10 things that are needed? Oh, I'm here for it. Please enlighten me. Number one, voluntary consent is necessary. Number two, it should be for the good of society. I'm going to do the put a finger downs. And so far, we're two fingers down. Put a finger down. Put a finger down if it should be designed and based on results of animal experimentation. Actually, technically, I think all of your fingers would still be up. Yeah. Yeah. So all the fingers are still up. Uh, The next one, put a finger down, should be conducted to avoid... Uh, conducted in such a way to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. The fifth one, put a finger down. No experiment should be performed where there is a reason to believe that death or dis- disab- uh, disabling injury will occur. Uh, the next one, the degree of risk should be based on the importance of the problem. So meaning if the risk is death, the importance of the problem should be pretty high, but it shouldn't be how to avoid being annoyed by a fly that's buzzing around your head. Okay. Makes sense. The next one. Proper preparation and adequate facilities must be provided, which includes in the event of unintentional injury or death, they should have direct access to help. Okay. So not a basement. A basement, probably. Should be conducted by only scientifically qualified persons. Okay. During the experiment, the human involved should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if they have reached the physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seems to them to be impossible. During the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to end the experiment at any state in concern for injury, death, harm to the person being experimented on. So all 10 fingers are still up on this one. Yeah, is that surprising to anybody? Yeah, they didn't quite those. Um, I definitely see how this was a violation of that mm-hmm. uh, Nuremberg Code. Now, at jury, Jean would testify that Candace was a difficult trial, and she also would be the only one to testify. Teachers and neighbors stated that they really didn't see any of these problems that were reported by Jean, which could be common. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. In 2001, Watkins and Ponder, and actually this was almost a year to the day. It was very close. But Watkins and Ponder were found guilty of reckless child abuse resulting in death. Watkins would also be convicted on a second felony of criminal impersonation and two different misdemeanors, one being obtaining a signature by deception and unlawful practice of psychotherapy. Both Ponder and Watkins sat motionless as the verdict was read, but they both broke down into tears as they were led away in cuffs. Oh, so sad for you. Yep. So the trial in total took three weeks, and it took the jury about five hours to deliberate. Ponder and Watkins each received a 16-year prison sentence. Not enough. Watkins would appeal against her conviction and sentence, but failed. Go to hell. After seeing the outcome for Watkins and Ponder, Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel would take a plea deal. Uh, Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel were Candace's therapeutic foster parents, and they pled guilty to criminally negligent child abuse. They were each given 10 years probation and a thousand hours community service. Absolutely no. Mm -mm. No, I don't think they should ever be around another child for the rest of their lives. Well, I don't get to control that. So 
they should have consulted me. They should have. Ever anybody else, I feel. I feel like, though, with their probation, I'm sure there was something put in place where they were not able to work in therapy or with children Mm -hmm. in that manner. It didn't go into details there, though. Now, Jean Newmaker, Candace's adoptive mother, she would also plead guilty to neglect and abuse charges. She was given a four-year suspended sentence, after which the charges were expunged from her record. What? Please tell me she went back to work. The nursing board in North Carolina permitted her to keep her RN license. However, state law sees a guilty plea to child abuse as sufficient cause to revoke it. So just because the board approved it doesn't mean that by the state law she could continue. I could not find if she continued or not. Couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel better. But what's the board doing? Here's the thing. You've got to remember, Jean is not a psychologist. She is a nurse practitioner, which means she knows the body, the physical ailments, not the mental. So she's trusting another professional. And so, I mean, she's a doctor. She's trusting another quote unquote professional. And so I think Jean, though I don't agree with her actions, I don't agree with leaving a child to suffer like that is appropriate. She was trusting these quote unquote therapists. And I think that's where she made her mistake. So I do think she is guilty. And I do. I, I This is one of those where it's a hard line. Because I do think she is guilty of child neglect and abuse. But I also think she was misled. And I think the fact that she actually was trying to get help for her and her daughter. Probably went into the sentencing result as well. Like she didn't have any of the priors. Okay. I, I see that. I'll give her that. Okay, that's why I was originally on the fence to begin with. Because like you said, she deals with the body. She doesn't necessarily deal with the mind. My hang up is you watch these people for at least 50 minutes suffocate your child. Not even like, okay, yeah, it wasn't a child that she had. It was a child that she chose, which to me, like, that means just as much. You had the choice to get this child. You wanted this child and you said you would give her a good home. And instead you watched somebody suffocate her, which is, dare I say, very basic medical knowledge that the human body requires oxygen. I wholeheartedly agree with that, which is why I do think she is still guilty of abuse and neglect. It's a very, very tough line. I think she's guilty. I think she should have lost her license. I think that, I mean, like you said, human body needs oxygen she should not be permitted to work with children she should not be permitted it should not have been expunged from her record not after four years yeah even if it went on her record like you know what if somebody wants to look at that and give her another job even if it's just on a probationary period you know what i can understand that because again like we said it's a long time ago these people that was a very well-worded explanation of what they did and her, she was trusting who she thought was experts, but it being completely expunged, I do not agree with that. Yeah, that's I think that's where it was hard for me. And after four years, I guess maybe after 10 years, expunge it. But sure. by then, she's, I mean, she's doing something else. But mm-hmm. four years. That just feels like a slap on the wrist to me. Yes. So Watkins was paroled in June of 2008. She was under intense supervision and had restriction 
on contact with children and restrictions on counseling work. So she wasn't even allowed to work as a counselor. In total, she served seven years of her 16-year sentence, and she served out the remainder of her sentence at a halfway house in Colorado. Uh, Candace's death was actually the motivation behind what's called Candace's Law in Colorado and North Carolina. And this law basically outlines uh, outlawed dangerous reenactments of the birth experience. The U.S. House of Representatives and State Senate have separately passed different resolutions urging other states to take similar action. You want to know something that'll just really drive that stake into your heart? None of it. Yeah. Candace's birth mother, Angie or Angela, was not told of Candace's death until five months later. <gasps> she learned of her daughter's death from some very determined reporters who were able to find enough information about Candace's background, and they reached out and they were the ones to tell Angela of her child's death. I just got goosebumps. And that happens a lot during this story, but like, that's just. That feels like the absolute worst way. Like, finding out from the news is bad enough, but finding out from somebody that wants you to interview you over it? Yep. And they took... They took this girl from her mother because her mother was deemed unfit to provide for them. For her. Well, yeah, them, because they took her siblings as well. And... Gave her to, I can't imagine, like, the guilt, the anger, whatever her mom feels. Because this woman, I mean, she fought. From what I could find, she fought to keep her kids. And she mm-hmm. just got, she lost all hope and gave up. hmm And then for this to happen, which at absolutely no fault of her own. Yeah, she, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know. I didn't go into details about why the kids were removed mm-hmm. other than neglect and abuse charges. So, I mean, maybe I just don't have the right side of the story here, but from what yeah. I could find, I tried. Even, so. I mean, yeah, I, I'm still with you. Like, it's it's still horrible because we don't know what kind of neglect and abuse they suffered, honestly, or even if they did. Because I do know sometimes people just get the raw end of the deal when it comes to the system or take get, what the state or the system taking their kids away. Obviously, here's the hard part, is obviously there was a valid reason for the state to take the kids away. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, here's the thing, is I don't feel like I've ever heard of a case where truly, and maybe this is just, I haven't heard of a true case where kids were taken and they shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was likely a pretty valid case of, hey, these kids need something better, whether it was just that she couldn't provide or something else. But then, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because I live in a reunification state where most of the time Utah's trying to reunify the families. Mm -hmm. Um, So in my mind, what did she do or didn't do that made it so that the state was like, no, you need to lose parental rights. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of where I'm hung up because people fall on hard times. Um, And this is more talking about the neglect rather than the abuse, because obviously I don't see a reason for abuse um but like with neglect people fall on hard times and it's not always their fault i don't like it i don't like it one bit yeah here we are so sorry i'm so sorry um that is the end of my story um you guys can submit complaints to amanda specifically and we will talk shit about bryce together for this story please include me i would like to join the shit talking 
I am I am glad that you did this story though, only because I had heard of this technique and I didn't know the reason the person behind the law that for some reason needed to be made into law. But I'm no, glad of common sense. Obviously not. No, we all know that. So I'm glad I can at least attribute her name to this case and it's not I feel like it needs to be put out there. Um, also, the pictures on the drive, there's one of Candace, there's one of Connell, and then there is an actual still shot or a screenshot from one of the videos where you can see people laying across Candace. Well, do you want to hear my story? Is it less horrific than mine? Uh, yes, thankfully. I did a cryptid. I know. I actually saw that. It looked like the abominable snowman. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> is it? Oh, okay. Is, I just saw yes. the picture and I was like, that's what it looks like. Okay. Um, yeah, I did my story this week on the Yeti. I was pretty excited. I wanted to do something because it's been, <laughs> I feel bad saying this to you, but it's been pretty cold here. I've been loving it, but it's been very, very cold. Um, so, hey, I wanted to do this guy here. Ready. So the Yeti. Uh, best description I got for you is an ape-like creature that lives in the Himalayan mountains. Pretty simple. It has he's actually, been. He's actually just a banished monster from Monster Z. Is that right? Yeah. Was that the first or second movie? First. I'm going to have to rewatch that movie because I don't remember that. All I remember is Mike Wazowski. He, yeah. So after they just a little in case no one's seen it, this is going to be a spoiler. After Mike and Sully get caught. They get banished to the same place that the abominable snowman is at. And they have the snow cones and are told not to eat the yellow snow. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that. That does sound uh, vaguely familiar. They might not have been told not to eat the yellow snow. I don't remember. I just remember something about yellow snow. Maybe they learned the hard way not to eat the yellow snow. I don't know. (laughs) But to our listeners out there, don't eat the yellow snow. It's not pineapple not lemon either no lemon icebox pie yes is that that what it comes from yellow snow in oh okay they didn't include that on the ingredients for those of you that don't know before we started recording amanda just told me that she has to make a pie but her oven's broken Mm -hmm. and she has to make a lemon pie so i had to google a recipe for her yeah so i'm gonna make a yellow snow himalayan pie yep and call it lemon pie Aren't y'all jealous? Um, Yes, you did call it. Uh, The Yeti is also known as the Abominable Snowman. And we're also going to talk a little later about how he got that name. Folklorists believe that the legend of the Yeti was born from a combination of Sherpa folklore and people misidentifying what happened. I'm going to... Folklorists believe that the legend of the Yeti was born from a combination of Sherpa folklore and people misidentifying bears or yaks as an unknown creature. I am immediately skeptical of this because I feel like a bear or a yak look way different than an ape. I am not a zoologist, uh, and I do not live in the Himalayans, Himalayan mountains, but I feel like the people that do live there probably know the difference. Yeah. To be fair, there's also a lot of people that for some reason like to hike in the snow 
Uh, so, okay. For weird reasons, and these people need a licensed therapist. Some people like snow, and it's just they need mental help. Okay, I do like snow, and I do need mental help. So the joke's on you. I was specifically talking about Amanda. There are others of us that hate snow and yet live in an area where it snows. We also need mental health. So don't worry about it. Really? We should just trade houses. I don't know because you still get snow there. Um, what about summer homes? Well, no, because it's summer here. I like summer. Fine. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll come up with a schedule. You know what? What it is is I just need six months of warmth at the beach in the Bahamas or Caribbean every year. Oh, okay. You're gonna have to figure that out by yourself then. Yeah, probably. It's okay. Go on a cruise. Well, I'll I can do that. I'll book it today. Okay, cool. <laughs> so the Yeti is most commonly described as a large bipedal creature. They can be brown, gray, or white. Very hairy, always hairy. They live in the snow. They need that. And sometimes they are reported to have large, sharp teeth. Tibetan lore, specifically, tells of three main types of Yeti, which was exciting. I didn't know there was three different kinds. I was about to say there's three types. Oh, yeah. I have to say these. in a Okay, these are different language. Obviously, they are Sikkim. And Google provided me no help with pronouncing them. So... Of course not. Google doesn't help with some... They help with, like, Spanish on occasion. Yes. They helped me uh, neither with the Sikkim or the Russian later. So, please, if I offend you, I'm sorry. I'm offended. It's too bad. The first one... <laughs> the first one is the Rangshim Bombo. And this that is a... Sounds like a like a dance. That's like the what... Mambo number five... That's what I thought, and I love it because these little guys are between three and five feet tall, which makes just makes it feel like even more party esque for me. These are the party yetis. They're three to five feet tall, and they have reddish brown fur. So if you see a reddish brown yeti, it's probably a rangshimbombo. There's also the chuti. Uh, they are eight feet tall. And they live eight to 10,000 feet above sea level. Now, this led me into a little bit of a, um, what's it called? A red herring. Uh, chase that down for a minute. But I just wanted to say. It's a rabbit hole. That's what I was going for. Yes, okay. a rabbit hole. I was chasing a red herring into the rabbit hole. And for the people that claim that Yetis are just people. Because uh, they do say that. Hikers think that they are mistaking other hikers for Yeti. It's probably not likely. Because if these guys live eight to 10,000 feet above sea level, there is something called acute mountain sickness. And it's AMS for short. And it's said to start affecting hikers at 8,000 feet. This can be caused as this can cause dizziness, headache, muscle ache, and nausea due to the low oxygen levels. And it goes away after two to three days at regular altitude. You can train yourself to be, to get accustomed to these, uh, like the people that hike Mount Everest, obviously. But it's not often that people just live in these altitudes. 
I actually read that in one part of the Himalayan mountains, people only live there for certain months of the year. So I say it's a chuti. The last one is the Nyalmo. They have black fur. They're 15 feet tall. And they are the biggest and the meanest of the Yeti. Okay, that, so that, this one is us. Yes. Only absolutely. for the meanest. Yeah, because I'm not 15 feet tall. I wish I was. That'd be pretty cool. I just imagine that the Nyalmos are the reason for every avalanche ever. Because they're angry. And they're 15 feet tall. So they could just like throw a boulder and destroy a mountain. Russia has their own Yeti folklore. And it's called the Chuchuna. And they live in Siberia, specifically. They're six to seven feet tall. They're covered in dark hair. And they're said to be a well-built Neanderthal-like man that wears pelts and has a white patch of fur on its forearms. Sometimes they eat human flesh. You know what? Sometimes humans eat human flesh, too. While it's disgusting, I can't judge them for it. You know what? That's a good point. A little cannibalism here and there is okay, unless it's illegal. Yeah, I mean, it's illegal everywhere, in case you guys were wondering. Not everywhere. I think it's uh, practiced in uh, Papua New Guinea, still. It's illegal everywhere that I will go, ever in my entire (laughs) life. Um, But you know what? It's not cannibalism for them. It's just survival of the fittest for the Yeti. True. So it's not illegal to them and them alone. Yeah, I mean, maybe don't get eaten by a Yeti, but don't judge them. Yeah. If you do get eaten by a Yeti, I think that's just nature, and I'm sorry. Listen, my dad has some advice for everyone. Uh-huh. Um, I just talked to him this morning, too, about it. So if you, or sorry, his first piece of advice is just don't F it up. Gotcha. Okay. Second piece of advice is if you do f it up go and f it so you don't f yourself how would one do that in response to getting eaten by a yeti i'm not quite sure yet but if you guys do f it up figure out how to unf it okay podfather let us know how to unf uh an eddie a yeti feast an eddie feast are we naming him eddie the yeti eddie the yeti yes Okay, done. Um, finally, the in regards to the Chunchuna specifically, witnesses claim to have found a corpse that has a tail. So Eddie the Yeti may also have a tail. I do have a story for you. I have two stories. First one's kind of short. And a journalist named Henry Newman was interviewing members of the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. And the explorers told him a story about crossing the Longpala at 21,000 feet above sea level. They found footprints in the snow, and the leader of the expedition describes this as probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks, and they ended up looking like those of a barefooted man. Uh, One of the guides, one of their Sherpa guides, saw it, And immediately said that the tracks must have been that of the wild man of the snows. Newman, when he wrote about this, he incorrectly incorrectly translated man bear snowman 
to Filthy Snowman. And in an attempt to make it sound scarier and sell more newspapers, he changed Filthy into Abominable. Therefore, the Abominable Snowman was born. Whoops, bad typo there. Yeah, I don't know how to speak. Uh, I think this was Sikkim as well. So he did better than me. But I kind of like Man Bear Snowman. I do like Man Bear Snowman. In Tibetan Buddhism, the Yeti is considered a non-human animal. And they actually share stories of them becoming helpers and even disciples. I love a good Yeti disciple. That seems fun to me. Eddie the Yeti the disciple. Eddie the Yeti disciple. Yes. Done. Figured it out. In Tibet, Yetis are seen as guardians against evil spirits. But... Since yetis also act as enforcers of dharma, hearing or seeing one is considered a bad omen. And dharma, multiple, it has multiple meanings in different cultures and there is no direct translation. But basically, dharma is righteousness, merit, or religious and moral duties that govern individual conduct, according to Wikipedia. So to me, are yetis snow angels? Yes. Eddie the Yeti the Snow Angel. Disciple. I like, I like the Disciple better. I like the Disciple better. Okay. So I'm deleting Snow Angel from my notes. I think I like, just like it because it's Eddie the Yeti. I feel like we need to copyright that and make some sort of game. Oh, wait. Isn't there already an Eddie the Yeti game? I've never heard of an Eddie the Yeti game, but we can Google. Wait, no. I think it's Eddie, uh, Yeti Spaghetti. Yeti games. Yes, it's Yeti. Uh, Yeti and my spaghetti. Also, there is Yeti set go. I like Yeti and my spaghetti better. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna go look for that. I'm gonna order that off Amazon today. Okay, as, you do that. I'm gonna get it as a Christmas gift for quote unquote my kids. Well, one of them is your child. So, but also don't order it because maybe that'll be my Christmas gift to you. You're welcome. We shall call him Eddie. Eddie the Yeti in my spaghetti. I'm going to have to write a children's book. Maybe I'll do that in the spare time I don't have. Do it. I'll start sometime. Okay. In March of 1986, Anthony Wooldridge was hiking in the Himalayan mountains. Again, I don't know why. He had been having difficulty finding a guide because of the icy conditions. But he went along on his route and he found little to no life in the camps in the mountains as he came across them. And I think I mentioned that earlier, that seemed normal for the villages higher up on the mountain because they would be pretty much deserted. People would lock up and move along elsewhere until the summertime when the weather was, I guess, slightly more bearable. Even though he kept passing these deserted villages, When he was about 3,300 meters altitude, he came across an area of snow that had been disturbed. And in the snow, he found fresh footprints that were about 10 inches long. So he took some pictures of them because this is weird. And he just kept moving. He had a certain area he wanted to be at before the weather got really, really bad or before it got really dark. So he couldn't really spend so much time on it. 
After traveling about a half an hour, he heard a loud bang and rumbling. He started looking around because he thought it was an avalanche, but he didn't see anything. So again, he kept going. This time, two hours later, he notices wet snow from a recent avalanche in his path. And as he's trying to assess the damage, he kind of moves off of his route a little bit. While he was trying to assess the damage to see if he could continue, he moved off the path. And that's when he noticed a large erect shape standing about six and a half feet tall. You can see in the pictures uh, on the drive, the footprints and the photos that he snapped. He was about 500 feet away. So he started trying to get a little closer. He was really excited because he had heard of the Yeti, but he was skeptical of it. So he got a little farther up on like a rocky ledge because at this point, he's still trying to see if he can go farther, but he's also trying to get as cautiously close to this thing as he can. People have come out and asked why he didn't get closer. Y'all, it's a Yeti. I don't want to get close up on a Yeti. Right. I'm not going anywhere near that thing. Like, not trying to be their meal tonight. Exactly. It, it, what, what to eat is there in the Himalayan mountains? Not me. If you're there, yes, you. you. Well, you know what? You stay on your side of the avalanche, Eddie, and I'll stay on mine. He did say that the creature was standing with its legs apart. It seemed to be looking down the slope with its right shoulder turned towards him. The head was large and kind of squarish, and the whole body appeared to be covered with dark hair, but the upper arm seemed to be lighter in color. For about 45 minutes, he watched this creature, and he said that it never moved. He was quoted as saying that it was amazingly good at remaining motionless, but at one point, he said that he thought to have seen the head move slightly, and it felt like it was looking at him. He does eventually turn around and go back to where he could finally camp for the night. And after his trip, he consulted with zoologists, anthropologists, and mountaineers in England, as well as numerous authors. Some of these authors believed in the Yeti, and some of them did not. After seeing these photographs and hearing his story, many of them changed their stances and shifted their beliefs to that of the Yeti actually existing. And these pictures were, uh, the negatives, excuse me, of these pictures were tested and they were proved to be genuine by the UK AEA Harwell Laboratory. The UK AEA is an, an atomic energy research, research establishment. I'm sorry, that's hard to say. Atomic energy research establishment. In the UK, so I'm pretty sure they can look at some pictures and be like, yes, that's real or that's fake. I trust them. They sound to know what they're doing. They sound like they know what they're doing. Malaya Mountains than we are, so trust them. Yes. What do you think of these pictures? It's hard. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just how the picture is because I see what they're seeing, but also, like, he's right along the ridge. Like, is it a rock? You know, that thought process of really, but it does definitely look like a being. Yeah, it's 
And I'm the same way with you. He did kind of defend himself saying he wasn't really going out to take pictures of this being. He said he was about 500 feet away from it. And all he had was this little Nikon camera. When you zoom in, it's still good quality. It's not really fuzzy. Um, but they did go back the next year. Do you want to hear about it? Of course. So, Wooldridge goes on another expedition a year later, and he and his crew made sure to visit the same spot that they had seen this Yeti in beforehand. They didn't see the Yeti, but they took pictures of the area, and they took these pictures and compared them with the ones that they had used the year before. And after they did this, Wooldridge wrote a letter telling of this second adventure to the issue of cryptozoology. And he said, this evidence demonstrates beyond a reasonable doubt that what was believed to be a stationary living creature was in reality a rock. Oh, what I said was it was a rock. I was You right. were dead on, yes. But it definitely looks like a, like a stationary creature, but it's right up against a ridge. I'm struggling to see that it's like obviously obviously it's not like the greatest picture but it does look like it could also be part of the rock background yeah it just matches too too well for me uh-huh. if there was like maybe if this creature was brown and the rocks were black then maybe but it it's yeah that's why it's like it's all white and black that's all you see you don't see any yep. other details you can't make out like even a speck of an eye anything now, the footprints in the snow, those are still, they don't know where that's from. I find it hard to believe that a man is running around the Himalayan mountains barefoot or a woman. But even after this came out, people still believe that the Yeti exists. They assume that it's the cousin to the Bigfoot. And very similarly to Bigfoot, they think that it's real, just extremely elusive. in. Eddie's case, mainly to do with the fact that it lives in an area that's difficult for humans to be in, much less live in. But that is Eddie the Yeti of the Himalayan Mountains. Look, I'm sorry. I know I haven't said much, but I've just been listening. I've been so wrapped up. Uh I just, I love Eddie the Yeti. And I love him even more knowing he's a rock and not going to eat me. He rocks, honestly. Eddie the Yeti rocks. Decipher uh-huh. Eddie the d- decipher. Disciple Eddie the Yeti rocks. Yeah, excuse me. Disciple Eddie the Yeti rocks. Yes. yes. Um, I mean, I just love him so much. I was really excited. I'm not gonna lie about that story. And as I got to researching other sources and I found that, I was like. Dang, I was really hoping that he was the only one to have photographed the Yeti, but he wasn't. Nobody nobody has photographed the Yeti to this day. So y'all get to the mountains, get to the Himalayans and find well, Eddie. If you like that like snow, go be a human th- sacrifice, but get the pictures to us first. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. So, Are there cell phone towers in the Himalayas? Let us know. Maybe get the picture, then go back down, then go back up to get more pictures, and then you can be the human yeah. sacrifice. Just leave your camera somewhere that someone will very clearly see it. Get a carrier pigeon. Get. Or an owl. What? Go, get the Mothman to help. 
Yes. Which is actually perfect because if you're about to get eaten by a Yeti, Mothman will probably be there. Yeah, he'll be like, hey, bro, you're about to get eaten by a Yeti. Yeah. You want Maybe. me to take that camera back to the States for you? You want me to take that camera to Bryce and Amanda because they requested it? Amanda, yeah. please. Mothman, please come here. <laughs> You'll just wake up one morning with a camera sitting on your front porch. That would be better than looking out my window and having a moth, having those red eyes stare deep into my soul. I love him from afar. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Just leave it in. No, don't leave it in my mailbox. I think that's illegal. Just leave it, uh, leave it on the yeah. carport. Leave it on top of the mailbox. Yes. Hang it's it fine. on the mailbox. Just hang out. It's fine. Yeah. And then from a distance, you and Minnie Moth can be like, hi. Yes. Also on that camera, include a selfie. Yes. A Mothman selfie. Imagine. I can't. I don't even know if I want to. That's the goal right there. Mothman taking a selfie with Minnie Moth and a Yeti. Eddie the Yeti. I was going to say Mothman and Eddie the Yeti with Minnie Moth. Like Minnie Moth between them, obviously. Yes. That's a Christmas photo I want. That's the Christmas we all want. Yeah. so so, i know i didn't say much i was just so enthralled in your story Mm -hmm. and just so happy to get rid of mine out of my brain and exert that onto you i'm so glad somehow we always managed to to do it like that like a heavy and a lighthearted because we don't talk about this beforehand no we honestly this is how this works we have a spreadsheet where we Okay, correction. We have a spreadsheet where I have like 40 <laughs> things claimed right now and Amanda has like 10 things. And I um, never do any of those 10 things. <laughs> yeah, those 10 things have been claimed for a very long time. Uh, my 40 things have <laughs> have been also claimed for a very long time as well. But you know what we did is we went in and we claimed all like the bigger stories that we haven't mm-hmm. had time to research. So that's why. But we just go in and go, oh, no, that one already has dibs on it. And if it's not in there, we can move on. The Yeti was on there, so <laughs> I did good I was this gonna time. Say, I knew you had the Yeti. That's why I haven't done it. I thought I had Sasquatch. I think I you, thought you had Sasquatch. Had, oh, no, I had Bigfoot. Oh, you know what? Bree had Bigfoot. Well, now I do, ah. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is how that works, as you guys can tell. Um, we just we claim what we want. Yeah, and, and then, that way we don't do each other's stories <clears throat> except that one time i did yours we don't accidentally do each other's stories but we also don't know what we're bringing to the table it's a surprise yeah. for everybody unless amanda has to get approval for if we're going to do it or not like episode 56 which... when i had to talk about penises it was her favorite episode ever <laughs> i actually don't know that so don't quote me on that but <laughs> no i'm just saying it's i mean that's where we're at in life okay also dad listen it was amanda that said the penis story not me so i don't want to hear anything about it okay not even a peep i got permission still i didn't do the research okay i'm just buying one to hang in my house okay (laughs) there's a difference all right all right well i i don't know that i would say i enjoyed that story but i would say it was the story no i'm just kidding i really enjoyed that story (laughs) I'm just looking for that Christmas card oh. at this point. Okay. You know what? I'll have I'll have Cody dress up as the Yeti. I'll dress up as Mothman. I'll dress Maisie up as Minnie Moth. That's perfect. 
and I will get you a picture. Oh my God, that's all I want in this whole world. I'm here for you to help you. And You're Cody welcome. would do it too, because that means he gets to be a disciple. He would do it by force, but let me get him through the gnome pajamas before I put him in a Yeti costume. Okay, I'll give you Actually, time. you know what? He might do Yeti before the gnomes. I don't know. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the recording or if this was beforehand. Uh, Cody and I have matching Christmas pajamas this year, which are have gnomes on them. And Cody hates gnomes because <laughs> I, we have so many. And some of you are going to come at me and be like, well, that's the swinger stuff. But no, it's not. They're just freaking gnomes. What? Amanda, you haven't heard. Okay, Amanda hasn't heard. Let me ruin gnomes for you. Actually, no, let's make them even better. Supposedly, gnomes and flamingos and pineapples. If you see people that have like a gnome or a pineapple or whatever out front, it's supposed to signify that they're swingers. Supposedly. What if they just live in Florida? I don't know. I'm just saying I don't care. I'm not a swinger. I just like gnomes. And so I have a million of them. You need a lawn flag to go along with your gnomes that says, I just like gnomes. Listen, if there is a pineapple left on my doorstep, <laughs> that's where we're going. Shooting <laughs> that somewhere else. Is that how they do it? If you see a gnome on someone's yard, then you leave a pineapple with your phone number in it? On their front Something, doorstep? There's like some sort of code you're supposed to do. I don't know the code, obviously. I've just heard rumors of it. It's something about a pineapple, and I don't know. I'm just interested in all these secret languages. This seems fun. I don't yeah. want to be a swinger, but I just want to know your ways. So that we know what to avoid. But also, leave me and my gnomes alone. I even <laughs> have an Elvis gnome. Okay. That is just to signify your marriage with your husband. Yes. He can't possibly hate that. He does. Um, he also, there's also a gnome that is named Cody. I can't remember the full name of the gnome, but it's like Cody the gnome on the phone on the potty. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, on his throne. Cody the gnome on his throne. On the phone? On the phone, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. So he that's the one that he does like because it's named after him. <laughs> but he doesn't like my bookworm gnome or my ladybug gnome or my giant gnome for Christmas that I just bought. Eventually, he'll have to get used to him. He'll at least come to accept the fact that it's happening. Oh, he's accepting the fact it's happening. He just doesn't know that I'm going to dress him in. I mean, he does know. He just is not as excited to dress in gnome print pajamas. I'm eagerly awaiting these photographs. I'll make sure. And Maisie's going to be matching us. <laughs> this is perfect. So, so I, you know what? I don't care. He can get over it. It's fine. <laughs> what does he want me to do? Change the way I am? No, he married me. Yeah. He loves so, you for you and your gnomes. My gnomes. Okay. Anyways... Thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by searching Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further you, so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon. We're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellandhealspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye. <laughs>